The following message is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe can be found at axechurchleander.com. The reading comes from John 17, verse 15 through 26. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is the truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given to me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, through the world world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Well, church, uh, we had talked a little bit earlier about our bringing on AJ in his interview process, but jumping back in the Wayback Machine almost three years to the day now, uh, you were interviewing Erica and I uh, to come down to be pastor and pastor's wife or whatever role my wife has at the church. And it was a great experience, and I really do appreciate the fact that you were pretty honest with me about the amazing things that happen in and around Austin and some of the detriments, right? And so you guys got me some really good barbecue. I had great tacos at Torchy's and beyond. Um, and so there was some awesome stuff. We had an awesome church. It was great to see with you guys. The music was phenomenal. Uh, but you were honest that not everything is fantastic in Austin. And in fact, one of the things that Sandy at the time really drove home was, are you okay with bugs? Right? Now, I'm from Michigan. We have bugs up north. That's not something new. And yet, Cindy kept telling me, no, no, no. Are you okay with big bugs? Because our big bugs down here, they, they can be a little terrifying to you northerners. And I thought I understood what that meant until we ended up moving down here. And my wife and I have about an acre. We kind of live at the very edge of civilization in Cedar Park. Uh, and we started to experience some of these big bugs, right? The first time I saw a roach, I was terrified. The way it skittered, and my wife was even more terrified, and thus I became the slayer of the bugs in the family, right? And my sister, she recently just moved down to the Austin area, and I had to give her the same pep talk of like, you know what, it's great, the food's awesome, the weather for the most part, you know, let's not talk about June through August, is fantastic, but you have to be okay with bugs. And so for the first year, I did pretty well with that. I was eyes wide open until one day I was coming home and we had a new guest on our property. In fact, we had a new guest next to my door. And that guest was this friendly critter right here. 
I had never seen a tarantula outside of a cage before, and all of a sudden this monster, larger than my hand, was just waiting for us at the door. I freaked out. I screamed like a five-year-old girl. I was terrified of this thing. I, of course, had to get my wife, and we took pictures, and then we kind of used a broom to like slowly shuffle it down, and eventually you learn that those guys actually aren't that scary for humans. In fact, they eat other bugs that are also large, uh, and so they're what you want on your property, except if it's right next to your front door where you're trying to reach for the handle. But there are things that we're scared about, right? And 2020, uh, there has been a lot that can keep us up at night. Maybe, maybe it's the virus, right? And figuring out what is a safe way to get together with people. What does that look like? Maybe you've got loved ones who are sick. Uh, Erica's grandpa is in the hospital right now with COVID, right? Praying for that, worrying about that. Maybe it's, maybe it's not COVID, though. Maybe it's the economy. Maybe you're worried about your business or your job and how long it can go on and what, what happens when the funding runs out. Or maybe, maybe it's not the economy, maybe it's politics, right? Maybe it's that elephant or that donkey that Terry was talking about. And, and we start to worry, but if this candidate doesn't get reelected or if this candidate doesn't get elected, then what? And, and we stay up at night. And, and it holds us captive. I, I will be honest, I too have been captive to some of this. I've stayed up at night worrying about finances or worrying about this or or worrying about that. But as a Christian pastor, there is something that does scare me more than anything else. And and it's not the politics, because whoever gets elected in November, the church survived Nero. He literally burned down Rome and blamed it on the Christians, right? We have survived worse than whatever happens in November. I'm not worried about politics, and we've survived plagues, and we've survived economies and the Great Depression, right? The church has survived all of these things. That's not what scares me as a Christian pastor. The thing that scares me comes from Jesus' own words of what we as Christians are supposed to be to the rest of the world. He says this in Matthew 5. He says, you are the salt of the earth, But if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and tumbled underfoot. In fact, you are the light of the world, Jesus says. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. So neither do people of light light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, Jesus says, let your light shine behind others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus says we are supposed to be salt. We are supposed to be light. But if that's true, does the Christian response in our county, in our country, look any different than the rest of the world right now? Do the things that we share on Facebook Do the conversations that we have around a dinner table or in text messages, do we look any different than the world around us? Are are we more at peace with what's happening? Do we tell and share more truth about what's happening? Are we more empathetic to people who aren't like us, who are on the other side of whatever issue 2020 has thrown at us? Are Christians acting any differently? than the rest of the world. And right now, if I'm going to be honest with you, 
and I'm looking in the mirror at myself at this point too, no, we're not. We get just as worked up. We get just as angry, just as bitter, just as divisive as everyone else. And that's what scares me for the church. Because we can survive any external issue. The Christian church has survived all kinds of stuff as long as internally we are following Jesus. But right now it doesn't look like we are following Jesus very much. Right now the guy in the mirror isn't always following Jesus the way he's supposed to. That's why we started this series called Full of Grace and Truth. It comes from uh, uh, John chapter 1. We're talking about Jesus. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. He pitched a tent among us is what that actually means in the Greek. We have seen his glory, the glory of the Son who came from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. We've been talking about how grace means experiencing God's favor and reality means experiencing God's reality. And we need, right now in 2020, Christians who are paying forward God's favor everywhere they go. And we need Christians who are paying forward God's reality and God's truth everywhere we go. And so this whole series has been built around the idea that we have an alternative path forward in 2020. That we don't have to pick a side. That we don't have to do what everything the world is doing. But instead, full of grace and full of truth, we can have a different posture, a different way of relating to everyone else, and we actually get to leave the madness. And right now, guys, I want to leave the madness. It's too loud. It's too chaotic. It's too not true. It's too not beautiful. And God's saying, guys, children, brothers and sisters in the faith, God has a better way. God has an alternative path for you. And so that's what we've been doing in this series full of grace and truth. And we're going to end this series with a prayer that Jesus prays over his disciples just before he leaves. So Jesus is about to go to the cross. He's about to pay for all the brokenness, all the sin, all the things that times that we shared things on social media that weren't true or weren't good, all the times that we sent text messages that weren't the things that we were supposed to say, or we've been bitter or angry or we haven't trusted in God. Jesus is going to take care of all of that for us. He's going to forgive us. But he prepares his people, he prepares his disciples by praying over them. And we're going to read through that prayer that Daryl read just a couple minutes ago. It starts off, my prayer, and this is literally Jesus praying, is not that you, the disciples, that, or sorry, that you, my father, take them, my disciples, out of the world, but that he would, our father would, protect them from the evil one, right? So he doesn't pray that his disciples get removed from the world, from all the problems, all the brokenness, all the noise. He says, no, 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 don't take them out, but protect them. Care for them. We need them here to care for everyone else. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For I sanctify myself that they too may be sanctified. He starts off by praying not that they would be removed from the troubles of the world, but in fact that they would engage the troubles of the world. 
Not that they would be protected from all the brokenness, but they would be protected from the evil one who was going to try to distort what Jesus was going to do through them. And he says, sanctify them. Jesus says, I will sanctify myself that they too may be sanctified. And that word sanctify was something I didn't really realize or understand when I was growing up. I always thought it kind of meant holy, pure, right? And so it was this idea that um, I'm supposed to be good enough or I'm supposed to do all the right things, but that's not really what sanctify means. No, if you look at the Greek and you try to put it in modern language, to be sanctified means to dedicate yourself to God, to God's way of living, to God's reality, to God's truth. And when you dedicate yourself to that, when you are in a posture of that, that's what it means to be sanctified. That is his heart for us, that we would be sent into the world and that we are dedicated to the things of God, full of grace, experiencing God's favor, and full of truth, experiencing God's reality. Jesus goes on. He says, And my prayer is not for them, the immediate disciples, alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Guys, we're going to pause right here because something really important is happening. Jesus did not just pray for his disciples. Jesus prayed for everyone who would come after his disciples through their message. That's us. Jesus literally prayed for us, his church. Jesus was praying for Acts Church Leander and the family of God that would one day, 2,000 laters, come from the message of the apostles. That's powerful. You know, we talk about how powerful prayer is. Every prayer Jesus sends into existence is reality. It's literally God's reality and God's favor, and he prayed for you, and he prayed for me, and he prayed for us together. This is powerful. So what does he pray for specifically? What is he asking for? that all of them, Acts Church Leander, may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be as one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Jesus' prayer for the early church was that we would be woven together in complete unity. And right now, in 2020, we need more unity. We need to be woven together as one family, one collective, moving forward in a posture of grace and in a posture of truth. But here's the thing with unity. Unity does not mean conformity. It does not mean that we are all going to come to the exact same conclusion about every specific instance. It does not mean that we all have the same skin color, the same background, the same politics. That is not what it means to be united. You see, the world is going to say, for you to have unity, you have to be one with this tribe. Christianity doesn't have tribes. Christianity has family. And a family has different perspectives. And we can honor those perspectives. We can honor where our brothers and our sisters are coming from. We can still be full of grace and full of truth to one another. We can still be united, even if we are coming at 
2020 from different perspectives. Unity does not mean conformity. And yet, it does still mean to be united, to be connected, to be intentional about relationships, who our God is, what our God is doing, and how we're going to do that together, regardless of which side, which puppet you're supporting, what you believe about COVID, what you think about the economy, whatever else that comes our way, there is a way for us to be united. And that was Jesus' prayer for the church. And that prayer had a purpose. He goes on and he says this, then the world will know that you sent me and I have loved them even as you have loved me. You see that unity that Jesus promises his disciples, that unity that he prays for his disciples, he says that will be the witness to the world that you're my follower. You know, often we talk about witnessing, and we are explicitly talking about, let me tell you about who Jesus is and what Jesus is doing. And that is part of witnessing the gospel, the good news of the truth of what we have. But you get there by first living it out. Where people look at you, they look at our community, and they're like, there is something different there. How can you have a different posture? Why aren't you as toxic or as bitter or as broken as everything else? Why are you still united with people who have different perspectives than you do? And in that, we get to say, well, you see, our God is full of grace and truth. And so we together are walking in grace and truth. And that becomes a platform for the gospel where we can then point people to Jesus and say, it's not us. We're not smarter. We're not nicer. We're not by our own selves more compassionate to one another. But our God is teaching us to be that way. Because our God did that for us, we now do that for each other. And we would love to invite you into that type of unity, into that type of relationship with both God and with our people. You see, this unity that Christians can have in 2020 can actually be the platform where Christ is spread. All the goodness, all the love, all the joy, all the peace begins to permeate out. Jesus says, that's how you will be my witness. And right now, we need that type of witness in 2020. The Apostle Paul would take this belief, and when he's writing to the church in Corinth, he says these words, All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he committed us to the ministry of reconciliation. Church, do we need the ministry of reconciliation in 2020? Amen. Yes, we do. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. The ministry of reconciliation is desperately needed in 2020. And for that, it is Christianity or bust. We have both a challenge and an opportunity as the church in a very divisive, contentious year. We can go along with the rest of the world. We can be swept up in all the politics and all the yuck and all the bleh. Or we can have a different posture. 
Thank you for listening to this podcast from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at axechurchleander.com.